right, Gangro Tain, we are back with another episode. And this one is coming to you from The Vault. Today, we've got Jordan Silverman, who uh, is working at a company called Market Man. And this one comes to you from about January of this year, January 2022. Um, and Jordan talks about onboarding and implementation. And one thing that really stuck out to me during this conversation with Jordan was the fact that we can't always dictate who our users are going to be, um, but we have to make adjustments and think about how do we onboard them in great ways, make them feel happy, successful, make make sure that we're doing this in a timely manner. And so he really talks about how do you simplify that onboarding implementation um, so that it becomes something that can be uh, moving quickly and that we can feel like we're getting momentum on. Um, but I think the the simplification of it is just the part that he stuck on the most um, and got a really good, good depth out of. So without further ado, here is Jordan Silverman. Hey, Gang Rotain. I wanted to tell you about I Digress, which is hosted by Troy Sandage and brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. It's got shows under 30 minutes, and it helps to eliminate complexity, complications, and confusion in your business uh, through a series of frameworks and strategies. Um, he talks all about scalable and sustainable success. He hits on things like marketing, sales, customer success, and more. So go check out I Digress and listen to I Digress wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. So today I've got with us uh, Jordan Silverman, who is the VP of Customer Success at Market Man. And uh, Jordan, I think you're coming to us live from the uh, the uh, Orange Orange State. The state. Wait, I'm messing that up. All I can Florida? say is, is thanks, the state of all Orange. I can say is thanks. Thanks for having me. And I'm currently looking at palm trees outside my window, and it's 80 degrees. Man, that is. So I'm, not, uh, I'm not complaining. Yeah, I am uh, now like embarrassed. I'm trying to go look up uh, Florida. I thought it was like the state of oranges, but um, I could just be totally making that up right now. Uh, Sunshine State? Yeah, Sunshine State. That's what I was going for. Yeah. I was thinking of like Sunshine State and then I went to the orange juice. I don't know why, but anyways, we'll, yeah, uh, I, might cut, I might have to cut that part out. Well, I, <laughs> I'm going to look. Um, but Jordan, excited to have you on You know, today. I know you've been in our community for um, a long time and been um, with Gengar Tain. So I uh, appreciate your support and then appreciate you hopping on to share what you've been learning and, and doing uh, at Market Man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. All right. Some early questions I like to do, just some icebreakers, catch you off guard, learn a little bit about you. Um, we're coming up on the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, do you celebrate Thanksgiving? Yes. Okay. Uh, as part of Thanksgiving, I, I'm, you know, what's your, what's your go-to, like, what's the one thing that has to be at Thanksgiving dinner? You know, if, if your family doesn't make it, or if your in-laws don't make it, like you're like, Oh, I'm going to make this myself. If nobody else is going to make it, like, what's the one thing that has to be there? I find the protein aspect of Thanksgiving to be my least favorite. I'm all about the carbs and sides, <laughs> all about the carbs and sides for me. My favorite is growing up, we used to have like a sweet potato casserole, basically with like the marshmallows on top. Yep. And I just remember being a kid and just picking off the marshmallows as they were roasted. So that's my, that's my go-to. That's my favorite. I like it. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm kind of with you. Like I, uh, we do normally we've done a fried turkey and so like, you know, that's, that's great. I like, I like it, but at the same time, it's not like my, you know, I don't know. It's not my go-to. I'm a big, um, uh, so like you, I love, I love sweet potato casserole. Um, and recently my, my, um, my mom and my wife are both making this corn casserole that I've like loved. It's basically got this like, 
um, jo- uh, this Jiffy corn muffin mix that like you, you mix in there. And, and like when they do it, I'm just like, man, this is like right up my alley. So I'm, I'm all about the the corn mix as well. And uh, I can't, I can't lie. I'm a big dessert guy. So pumpkin pie hits, hits the spot for me too. I also love not fresh, but the canned cranberry sauce. I don't want fresh. I want the one that is the log coming out of the can. <laughs> I like that. Normally, normally people are opposite, right? They're like, oh, I want something fresh. And you're like, nope, just give me the, the uh, good old fashioned. Good I like it. Um, I'm also, I'm, I might, you know, people might um, stop listening to the podcast now, but I'm totally out on cranberry sauce. Just never, never liked it. Could never get into it. My wife thinks I'm crazy. Hot My mom thinks I'm crazy. So like, you know, there's, I imagine I'm going to lose some subscribers here. Um, I don't know how many we have, but we're, we're out. Um, all right. So, uh, we touched Thanksgiving. All right. Now let's just, you know, in a normal weekend, uh, like a perfect Sunday for Jordan Silverman, like what's, you know, if it's just a normal weekend, you know, you're down in Florida now, like what's a, what's a typical or what's like, what's something that you're going to be doing on Sunday mornings? I'm an early bird during the week. So like I'm waking up at 5:30, 5:45 during the week, every morning on the weekend, love sleeping in. Like I don't want to wake up until 10 or 11 o'clock, stay in bed, hang out and then either make a big brunch, have some bagels, just relax. That's my favorite thing to do on a Sunday morning. I like it. Um, I, we have, uh, two dogs and, um, if I could, they, they typically will stay in bed with us, but they're still kind of wrestling around and they, they'll actually wait. So we normally wake up like 6am on the weekdays and, um, you know, they're kind of up and at them, but on the weekends, they kind of know they'll stay in bed till like, eight ish before they really start moving around. But, uh, if I can get to like eight 30 or so, or like nine, like that, that's like a good, good weekend. But, um, yeah, I'm with you. If you can, you know, get a couple extra hours normally than, than the weekday. The best. Um, all right. Last, last icebreaker. And then we'll actually move on to the real content and, uh, you know, maybe why people are here, but, um, which are you a Harry Potter fan? Yes. All right. Which, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which dorm are you, are you in from Harry Potter? I was actually at Harry Potter world last weekend in universal studios and it was, how was it amazing, but it was unbelievable how many people are Slytherin. And I I didn't realize that. Like I just assumed everyone was Gryffindor, like maybe naively. I just assumed everyone wanted to be in Gryffindor. So many Slytherins, but I'm Gryffindor, man. I like it. So um, you might find this funny, but I've never read the books or watched the movies. And my wife has recently in the last like two weeks, we've gone through the first four movies. And uh, so she's like getting me into it. And so, um, you know, I, she's, and even before that, she would always, she would always like call me out and say like, Oh, you might be a Slytherin or, Oh, you might be a Hufflepuff. Like, Oh, and I would just be like, I have no clue what you're talking about. Um, and so she always like found that, you know, found that funny. Um, I kind of find myself in Ravenclaw. Like I'm, okay. yeah, I, you know, I'm kind of, uh, the more I'm, I'm watching these and like getting into it, you know, I kind of, um, maybe it's just cause like, you know, Gryffindor is just kind of like the, I, I know. you know, I feel like everyone's going to be on that. So, but like you said, I don't know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Slytherins out there. Um, but anyways, that, that would be I, fun to go down. I read the books growing up and then a couple of years ago, I actually listened to the audiobooks. Really awesome experience. The guy who does them has different voices for all the characters. If you're into oh, nice. it, the audible Harry Potters are awesome. Man, that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, I would have thought actually, but now you say it, it's gotta be like a nice production. I was going to say, Oh, maybe JK Rowling was doing it, but like, Oh no, no, no. You gotta, you yeah. gotta make that like a real production. Like yeah. that's gotta be yeah. the real, uh, yeah. that's cool though. He does multiple voices. Uh, yep. I like that. Uh, all right, cool. Well, we are here today to talk a little bit more 
uh, about customer success and uh, specifically just diving into onboarding. You know, I think there's a, a great thread that we'll reference here um, in our Gangro Tank community from a number of people. Um, and you know that that topic will go deep on kind of unresponsive customers during onboarding. But um, I'm just curious now at, at Market Man for you all. Um, you know, what's that onboarding and implementation process look like? Um, you know, what are you know what kind of roles do you have involved in that? Um, and how have you tried to make sure to make that um, repeatable for you as a business, but making sure that customers are are successful through that period as well? Onboarding is everything for us at Market Man. So just in background, we are a SaaS application for hospitality businesses, mostly restaurants, quick service, full service, some hotels. 90% of our clients pay us monthly, 10% annual. So yeah. 90% monthly, we got to get the onboarding right up front. So we are putting a tremendous amount of resources, time, headcount towards that first 60, 90 108 days. That's really our core. So the way that we structured our team is we have a couple different roles. So the first role we have is classic CSMs, successful, happy customers. That's their responsibility, right? They're owning the client relationship. We have two other unique roles. So we have onboarding specialists and trainers. Onboarding specialists are responsible for getting the data populated. So we are an inventory software. There's a somewhat large lift to get it set up. Easy once it's up and running, but it takes some time to get set up. That's where the onboarding team comes in. And then we have our trainers who are about activation. So their main KPI is activation rate. So we're really focused on how do we get in front of the customers, spend time with the customers and make sure that the customers are seeing that first value as quickly as possible because we need to prove an ROI quickly. That is a really cool, example. And I like the way you outline that. So when you think about those, those roles that you have, does a customer get those, like all three of those people kind of like on day one, or do you have to sequence it? Or how do you, is it more of like an account team that's kind of coming in and Hey, here's, you know, here's how we're going to make you successful over the next 90 days. Like, how does that work? Client signs up and every single client doesn't matter if it's an SMB, mid-market enterprise, every single client has a dedicated CSM and every single client is going through a kickoff call. So on that kickoff call, the CSM is going to introduce the process. The onboarding specialists and trainers start behind the scenes because we don't want to overwhelm the client with too many points of contact. So everything gets funneled through the CSM and the CSM is basically making sure everything gets organized and everything's going okay. Got it. And so you mentioned, um, it sounds like activation rate was really where you're putting that emphasis on the trainers. Um, it sounds like kind of, um, I'm going to call it time to data population, but like that time to live is, is kind of like the, the metric for those onboarding specialists. Um, and then I would imagine, and maybe as you go forward, but um, I don't know if there's other roles involved, but then this, the CSM is probably charged with that kind of renewal or long-term retention um, aspect. And so those are kind of those, those key metrics that you're looking at to say, okay, are these teams are performing the right things and doing the right activities? Spot on, like literally spot on. So the onboarding team is responsible for time to onboard. How long does it take in days, right? We're trying to keep it from seven to nine days. That's the goal. Training team, activation rate. So what percent are getting activated within 30 days? So we want to see that within 30 days. And then the CSMs are the classic net churn portfolio performance. Our CSMs own the entire post-sales process. Renewals, upsells, cross-sells, churn, downgrades, that all sits within the CSM function. So they're actually being compensated on how is their portfolio as a whole performing. Awesome. Um, 
So, man, this is actually, I love that. I, I didn't realize that the two nuances that I think are, which make your response to this question and Gengar attain even more um, uh, amplified for me, at least, is that you are getting paid monthly and you also, for the most part, and you're also dealing in the hospitality industry, which I'd imagine there is probably a, um, there's just a large number. There's probably um, a lot more switching happening in terms of vendors, I would imagine, in that industry than, than any others, just because of the sheer amount of um, sheer amount of, of customers that you can have restaurants, hotels, wherever you're at, right. There's, there's all or different types of restaurants, the quick serve, the, uh, the sit down, the, the, uh, franchise model, like whatever it is, there's probably a litany of those. And then there's probably a litany of tools that they can be using. So, um, it makes your challenge really interesting because you've got, you know, this pressure, like multiple market pressures, I think that are happening that are, are making sure that your team is dialed in in the right areas. Absolutely. And forever, like hospitality is considered tech laggards, right? Like think of it as teaching your mom how to use her phone, right? Like it's not bad, but it's not like us. So I think the first challenge we saw is like, we're teaching software to not always the most tech savvy people. A ton of them are, I'm generalizing. Yeah. The second thing that we've seen in, I don't know, whatever version of COVID we live in now, right? Iteration 15, there's a huge labor shortage for restaurants. So we're also seeing what used to be managers, finance, ops, behind the scenes people actually now working more front of house. So that's actually made it even more important that we get them set up, activated quickly and somewhat on their own schedule because they don't know what tomorrow's schedule looks like all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's super interesting. We, um, and it's one of the things that we talk about with our teams quite a bit too. And, uh, this goes back to, I think maybe a little bit more of the unpredictability you talked about is, um, and I think this is in a lot of SaaS companies, right? You, in some cases, when you're in the building, you're in the four walls, you kind of think, oh, my customer must be spending hundred percent of their time in my product, in my service. And they must be, they're learning how to be wizards. They're doing everything. They're, oh, they're going to become experts. Right. And then you start talking to your customers and then you start realizing, oh man. And then you, you wait a minute, you're not spending that much. You're not spending as hundred percent of your time. Um, and then you start looking at the data and then you're like, by the end of it, you're like, oh, wow, they're probably spending like 20 to 30% of their time in my software and our software, what they're doing. What are they doing with that other 70%? How else can I be beneficial to them? So that's just like you mentioned uh, that unpredictability of like, what are they doing in the other parts of their, their day to day? Like that's, we talk about that quite a bit because I still think where you develop great relationships with your, um, with your day-to-day contacts, with your champions, it's not in the 30%. Like that is like the beneficial part. That's the part that you're going to drive the ROI on and whatever else, but where you develop the relationships that span multiple companies that span multiple years is when you start helping that person in the 70% to say, Hey, you're probably doing X, Y, and Z. Um, you know, you're probably linking our data with other systems and you're probably trying to go pull this type of reporting. Hey, here's, here's some examples of other people who have done it before, or, Hey, you might have to go present a board deck based on some of this data. Here's an example board deck that we put together. Like this might be beneficial to you. So um, I love your point though. Of like, Hey, we've got to, not only do we have to nail the part that they're in our software, but we have to also be empathetic and know, Hey, your role used to be strictly behind the house. Now you're going to be a little bit in the front of the house. Like uh, that's probably a big shift for you. We need to be a little bit more empathetic about that. And then be thinking about, okay, are we doing the right activities? Are we asking them for too much time? When do we ask them for the, like the right amount of time, that kind of stuff. So it's really interesting. I do think as people in CS and people that are sitting at a desk all day, right. We do like lose sight sometimes of like what other people are doing. One of the things we're trying to get a lot better at as a company is having our team spend time in the field, spend a day with a customer. Like it doesn't even have to be about market, man. Just like follow them around, see what they're doing every day. 
That's going to help you as a CSM, you as a salesperson, you as a trainer, so much in terms of understanding, empathizing, but more importantly, helping the client be successful. Yeah, that is, we've got, um, so we, we have a services arm to our business where we, you know, we build communities and we, we um, end up running communities on behalf of um, some of our customers. And so, um, and then we also have a team internally who's actually running, um, like running an association as well. And so you actually can get, like you said, like go spend time with them, right? They, they're in the thick of it. They're going through the day-to-day. Like you can really learn a lot um, from sidecarring and sitting, sitting alongside of them um, when you're doing that. We we've done, you know, similar to you all, we've got um, our implementation leader, uh, Ryan has done a great job with him and his team over the last 12 to 24 months. They've, they've really, and it sounds like similar to you all, you know, they've really looked at, Hey, what are, you know, we, we know that, um, we need to get time to value in a, in a quicker way. We need to get them on, onto the software, right? Something that they're paying for. Um, you're kind of going through that trough of despair right after they, they pay, right? Right. Right. After they sign that contract, they're thinking, Oh, did I make the right decision? Um, and so a couple of things that you mentioned that I think are parallel to the way we've looked at it as well is, are we introducing the right people at the right times? And is that like, are we not overwhelming them? You know um, I think the second thing is, are we making sure that, are we making sure that we're, um, asking the right, like, are we asking them to go through the right order of operations? Like in some cases, I think, you know, sometimes, you know, you kind of just throw a bunch of customer at the beginning and say, Hey, uh, great. You're a new customer. Glad you're here. Here's like 15 links and things that I need you to go do. And then the customer's kind of sitting there saying, Oh my gosh, like that's a lot of stuff. And uh, I don't know what I'm gonna be able to do this. And that seems so, you know, like, how do we make that into a order of operations that makes sense? And is also, um, part and parcel for like our timeline also with the customer's timeline, you know, we always want to say, Hey, we've got to push customers in and we've got to get them through and we've got so many more coming. Um, and we can't, you know, we can't let the customer kind of, um, dictate everything all the time. You know, we can't, there's gotta be some of that symbiotic piece. So um, th- those are a couple of things that just stand out to me, like introducing the right person at the right time. And then thinking about how do we make sure that this is the right order of operations? Um, so that's repeatable for us, but it's also, it makes sense for what the customer is trying to achieve. Like, I think that's the first thing that we have to always think about. Hello, Gang This is Jeff. You might be listening to the show today for many reasons. Maybe you're looking to learn something new. Maybe you're looking to listen to a speaker that you love, or maybe you're driving and the co-pilot has control of the radio. Whatever the case is, I wanted to tell you about HubSpot's CRM platform and some new pieces that improve the customer experience. First, customer intelligence tools that help your teams get real-time insight into calls through automatic recording, transcription, and analysis. Think about the types of conversations and coaching that you can do with your customer teams. Next is easy share meeting links, which let your customers see availability and book meetings with you all from the HubSpot platform. The last improved data hygiene, and that always is needed in a CRM platform. So learn more about how you can transform your customer experience with a HubSpot CRM platform at HubSpot.com. I think anyone can write down a customer journey map, but actually getting a customer journey that fits the customer, not just your company, is the hard, fun, exciting part. Yeah. Because it can't just be you writing something down. It has to be you writing something down and then constantly talking to customers and iterating on it to make sure that what you have as your customer journey actually fits your customers. Yeah. Like you have to actually like, it's almost like bringing customers into that process, right? Like we've even talked about um, showcasing some of that work to a couple of handpicked customers. Hey, we've got some good relationships with you. Does, you know, does this map well? Like, does this actually, uh, does this actually reality uh, in terms of like what's happening or what are other elements? Um, and there's, there's a couple of examples I've seen recently of people doing really nice work around customer journeys. 
I've seen two really good examples um, recently of customer journeys. And the reason I think I liked them when I was, as I was going through was they did a really nice job of using customer language and thinking about key moments in the customer's journey, not our journey. Right. So um, there was one example where they were talking about, you know, um, they were even just mentioning things that might be happening throughout that. Like, uh, you know, this company was dealing with pay with, um, like HR and benefits and payroll specialists and stuff. And they were one in their customer journey, they kind of put stuff like, um, oh, it's 15th a month. You might have to be doing payroll. Um, oh, it's this, you might have to be doing X, Y, and Z. And it was just nice because it recognized moments that were outside of their software, but it was in the persona and saying, hey, you might be going through this. And we just want to acknowledge that we know that there's other things on your plate, not just implementing our software. So, that, that, I mean, back to your point, like I think it, getting it truly in the customer lens, um, I think everybody just does it with a slant. They call it customer journey and then they do it the slant of like, hey, this is actually our journey. We're just trying to make it the customer's journey uh, at yeah. the end of the day. Totally agree. It's it's gotta be it's gotta be good for everyone. It's gotta be so, uh, so, Yeah. So the, the question that popped up in GGR and um what kind of sparked this conversation was um uh, we had a one of our members in there just paraphrasing uh the the start of this thread, but you know, she had talked about um how they uh, they have uh, kind of a, a fixed price, high touch onboarding. It lasts four to six months. Uh, there's about a two hour per week commitment on the customer lens. Um, and they've been struggling recently with kind of the responsiveness of customers. Um, and, you know, that's creating delays, which then creates, you know, if it creates a delay from the customer side, then, you know, that implementation team can't be doing as many onboardings. Now we've got a backlog of onboardings and creates a whole, whole ch- a lot of challenges for the business. And so there's just a bunch of questions throwing around, you know, um, how can you incentivize customers to get through implementation? Um, what are ways that we can be doing that better? Are there different communication methods and things? And so, um, you know, I think you had just mentioned, and obviously now looking at your perspective, right, you're dealing with a lot. I would imagine a lot of implementations, a lot of customers in the industry Correct. that you're in. Um, and so you had just mentioned a couple of key processes uh, to try and decrease the amount of no-show and reschedule meetings and some of those missed milestones. So um, why don't you maybe touch on some of those and, and how you guys got there? I think everyone in CS goes through the frustration of, I'm spending more time than my client is. Why do I care more than my client does? Yes. I think everyone in customer success feels that on a regular basis. And I think the first thing we talked we talk about before, the first thing is try to empathize, try to understand their situation. But then our responsibility as CS leaders is to figure out a solution. That's what we have to do. Like GGR people were talking about, my initial thought was let's penalize customers if they don't get onboarded in a certain amount of time. I don't like penalties. I feel like we are all salespeople. Our job is to spin things in positive lights. So we don't want to penalize a customer. We want to have them feel FOMO, right? If they're not getting a benefit that other people are. So I realized I wanted to do some sort of benefit, but I didn't know what. So I was talking to my brother and they implemented DocuSend and they had a really cool program where for their mid-market and enterprise customers, what they did is in each company, they said, whoever sends the most documents in the 14-day trial gets a prize. <laughs> and if you send any, you get entered into a raffle. And it, it's brilliant to me, right? Because yep. they're literally incentivizing the end users to adapt the technology in a really cheap and scalable way. Yeah. So. It- that is genius, by the way. Like it, it, and everyone, I mean, oh, I just have to send documents and I, 
you know, like that's a, I'm tr- it's a low barrier to entry for me as a yeah. person. Like I don't need to be like, a, there's not this big intricate thing where I have to go submit my name or I have to go big. I have to fill out like seven forms, like send in something via mail, right? It's literally like, if you start doing this activity, we're going to log it and we're going to make sure you're entered. That is such a, that's cool. And my brother was telling me like, there literally was a Slack channel of people like talking smack within the company that they were sending more documents. And the whole time I'm just thinking like, this company is making a killing out of this silly little game, right? Yeah. So I wanted to implement something similar at MarketNet where it's not financial penalty, but it's a reward for those that are actually doing something. So we tried two things, one of which has worked great, the other, not so much, transparently speaking. So first thing was, if you show up to every training, so a customer goes through four training sessions with MarketNet. If you show up to all four of those, Without missing one, you get a month free of market net. Wow. It's worked great. That's a pretty good, I mean, like you said, low barrier to entry too, right? It's only four sessions. And then you're telling me I get to go back into my organization and say, hey, because I attended these four things and I prioritized this in our work, now we've saved X amount of dollars. It's worked great. Exactly. Now, the second thing we tried, so that one has worked really well. The second thing we tried is if you show up to every training, not only will you get a month free, but you'll also get a raffle ticket into a free company lunch. Marketman will sponsor a team lunch for you and your team. That didn't work as well as we thought it would. The customers that won were really excited about it. We have yeah. awesome pictures of people eating Jimmy John's, tacos, going out to steak dinners with, their, with, with, with the two co-founders. Like We have a ton of awesome pictures from it. But we found that people would rather the free month, something more tangible than yep. the opportunity to win something. That, that makes sense. And I like the, but I like the approach, like you said, Hey, um, you know, you want to implement something around a reward rather than a penalty, because at the end of the day, the last thing you want to do, right. Like I think about this, I think of the same thing you're probably going down or you were thinking as you're going down, this is, um, somebody who's bought software and I think of the trough of despair a lot. I mean, it's this, you know, consulting image that everyone knows, but you know, is it really true? And I always, I actually tend to think it is like the immediate time you buy something, especially if it's, you know, for your business, you're the one who's putting your, you know, your credibility on the line to other stakeholders or leaders in your organization. You're kind of saying, yes, this is the tool. Like the moment you actually sign that contract, it, you have that, Oh shit moment. And you're like, wow, I actually have to go execute now. Now I've done all this work, gone through the RFP. I've done whatever in demos. I've gone through this. I've put the, you know, put this all down on paper, but now the decision is mine. I've made it. And you go through that, that moment. And so I think like you were saying, I think the, the wrong thing to do is like, I'm already in that trough of despair. And then if you tell me there's financial penalties, if I do something, oh, I'm going down further. Like I'm now I'm down to the depths, like, because it's probably not only me that I, I need to rally to do some of those meetings or do some of those trainings. It's probably other people. Right. So it's like, Man, that really gets, but if you, if you turn around and say, Hey, we actually want to reward you. Now I'm back on the come up. I'm like, Oh, you actually want to look now I can go back to those people and say, Hey, guess what? Like, not only do we pick this great software, it's working well, we adopted it. We're, we're, you know, we, we went through the training, but now just let you know, after six months, we just got a month free. Um, so now it costs us less than it initially thought it was like, that is a huge win. And the reason I like that so much is that you have basically taken your champion and been able to turn them back internal to say, Hey, go talk about us more in a good light because we're giving you a free month for, you know, adopting the product. And like, I think the trough of despair is such a great way to describe it because so many people's first reaction is let's get sales back involved. Let's go over our champion's head to the buyer. But that's just digging yourself a hole. 
you want to build up your champion. Now, if you have a poor champion, you're going to run into other issues. But if you have the right person, you need to find out what's happening and then try to motivate versus demotivate. Yeah, that is. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Like it's, it is demotivating. Um, the other, so the other thing I'm just sitting here thinking about is there, are there other ideas that we come up with about incentives or rewards for, um, for people to start adopting and, and, uh, and using the product? Like one example that I was just thinking about is, um, you know, Hey, if you like for us, you know, we, we or back when we used to have stuff in person, we had an, uh, we had a big event for higher logic customers and it was a really, I mean, it was a big deal. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like, tens of thousands of people, but it was a big deal because we got like really passionate people. And so uh, one thing I'm thinking about is, Hey, if you successfully onboard or go through this type of, you know, the, the right uh, meetings or trainings or mechanisms that we need, um, like we'll comp your ticket to our annual event, or we'll comp your hotel room to our annual event. You know, you come um, and save some money there, but that, that to me might be another reward system where it's like, Hey, we have this event, you know, you let, like, we want you to come and be here. And what better way, like we can entice you to come is you do this well and you start adopting it, you're going to come meet more evangelists and we're going to pay for you to come do it. Totally agree. And we, we liked the idea of the free family meal raffle because we wanted everyone to like market man, not yeah, just yeah. our champion. That was the initial goal, right? It's like, how do you get everyone at the company, everyone at the restaurant liking market man. But I think if you have the right champion and you're able to build them up and then, as you said, give them free tickets, it's small stuff, right? It doesn't have to be anything major, just, showing you care will go so far. Yeah, definitely. Another way I was just thinking about, you could try and do that um, raffle idea as well is, um, uh, and this might not, this might not work better, but the other thing I, that I thought of is let them pick, like let them pick one or two people and go do like, go do like an afternoon off where it's like a lunch and like a spa day or something, right? Exactly. So how, how do you, um, it's almost like, how could you, how could you let that champion create like an intimate moment with two other people? And then those two other people are like, wait, who's doing this for us? It's like, oh, market man is. And then, so I was almost trying to think like, how could you, um, I don't know, how could you make that moment more intimate where then those people feel connected to it? Yeah. For us, it started as the problem of, we have clients no showing, rescheduling, not getting through training fast enough. And we kind of evolved it into the customer journey that we were talking about earlier of, how do we make sure that the journey fits the customer, but also yeah. incentivize and motivate our top customers who are getting through it in a really good way? Yeah. Sorry, I just keep thinking of other ideas really quick. Please keep another, them coming. It's good to brainstorm. Another one that I was just thinking of is um, I don't know, you always like um I think of and this is probably like too big of a, you know, this is probably too much money out the door, but uh, like what I was thinking of is like what really would benefit um I would imagine like a hospitality staff, you know, is like the restaurant probably only closes for a couple of days a year. Like, could you rent out the restaurant for like half a day or like a quarter of a day or something and say, Hey, give your staff a couple extra hours off or something. And it's on market, man. That one might be a little bit too, uh, you know, the financial uh, idea there might be a little bit too high compared to the, the cost of the product or whatnot. But um, back to your point, I was just trying to sit and think like, okay, if I'm, if I'm in hospitality, like what are some of those great moments that I think of like back from my day, it's like, Oh, we got the, we got an unusual day off um, because like the restaurant closed or somebody had a private event or something was booked out and it was kind of like, Oh, we don't need everybody. Um, you, like you said, the, the team lunches and stuff. I remember doing that when I was, when I was uh, growing up in hospitality, those were always fun. Cause it was just like a, a nice moment to come around a, a family meal. Um, man, I'm trying to think of other moments, but that, that was another one that came to mind. I think where it could get really cool to us as we like, so as we continue to iterate and as we continue to improve our journey and kind of how we help incentivize clients to get through, I think where we could get really creative is kind of specializing per vertical and per region. 
because what fits a bar might not fit a full service and what fits a customer in Australia might not fit a customer in California. So I think as we kind of continue to iterate and improve this, we can get super creative and make sure that our customers are not only getting onboarded and activated, but actually like enjoying the process and talking about how fun it is because it's not just about getting usage. It's about enjoying it. Yeah. Well, and and it's about that connection. Like the, uh, I was actually about to ask you, I'm curious um, if you guys are at this stage yet, or if it um, might be a little bit too early, but like, have you started to find some of those like early champions and kind of bring them together in like community type settings? You know, is it like, are you connecting them with each other, you know, restaurants from different States or different cities or things like that? Like, I'm uh, curious if that started happening for you yet as like a organic way, at least. One of our big goals for 2020 that turned into 2021 that will turn into 2022 is like hosting like an in-person conference. And I think we're not ready for it yet. Um, but I think like next year we'll start, we'll want to start doing that stuff. Yeah. One of the things we actually did, which is pretty cool is we actually took like three or four of our top customers and we recently turned them into like certified market man consultants where they can actually go and help other customers who are struggling, help other customers who want to get more, not only out of the software, but just their business in general. And our champions, our best customers as consultants can make money on it and help other customers. That's one thing we just started doing was certifying our top customers or top partners as consultants so they can actually benefit others and benefit them. Did you certify them as consultants for... um just out, like even more than your software? Like, did you certify them and say like, okay, you know our software, but now you actually know front of house, you know, back of house. Like, did you go through like that type of process? Good question. So the answer is for this first part, we know them really well. So we know they know those things, but Got as it. we expand, absolutely. Because just, just since you can help someone on market, man, doesn't mean you can actually help someone decrease their waste. <laughs> like those yeah. are two different things. So for these couple first ones, we know them well, we didn't have to, but absolutely there needs to be almost like platform certification and industry knowledge certification because they're not always the same thing. Yeah. 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 That's, that is, um, yeah, that's cool. That's, that's a way we're thinking about it too, right? You've got the platform and then you have like the persona based, um, like certifications that I think about a lot Yep. and that's, yeah, you can, if you can start to do both, uh, you know, if you can start to help people in both areas, that's where you start to win, um, over and over again. So Man, it's cool. Um, what's, you know, I know we've got just a, a couple minutes here. What's uh, what's like one thing for you that you need to get done before the end of the year? You know, we've got like six, six Fridays left. I actually just posted about this on LinkedIn. Like we have six Fridays left in the year. So what is like one thing that um, you just know is like, man, I need to finish this in the next six weeks before we kind of close out the year. I, I, I'm going to give, I'm going to cheat a little and give two things. Um, number one is making sure I, as a CS leader, have a plan for each person on my team of what they are going to achieve in 2022. Now that's just not, that's not me just top down doing it, but working with each person on a plan to make sure that they are growing personally and professionally in 2022. And I think God do that before the year end. So that's number one. Number two is we are in the process right now of translating all of our help and support documents and knowledge into different languages. So we have English, Spanish, I want to finish French and I want to start with Hebrew. Those are our big languages. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Man, uh, I like those. Those are two, um, those are two very actual things and two things that uh, I appreciate because they're not, I don't know, they're not, uh, sometimes when I ask people that question, they're kind of like pie in the sky. You know, they're kind of like, oh, I need to go yeah. like, finish our, I need to go finish our five-year strategy. It's like, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, but no, those are cool. Um, I like those. All right. 
Jordan, where uh, if people want to find more of you, get in, get in touch. This is your this is your uh, chance to plug here at the end. You know, do you have a do you have a blog that you put out regularly? Do you have a website around? Do you uh, are you on LinkedIn or Twitter? Um, but give give the people what they want, which is uh, where can they find you? So first off, thanks for having me, Jeff. Uh, really appreciate it. It's been really fun. You can find Marketman at marketman.com and me personally, LinkedIn or GGR. That's where I'm that's where I'm posting the most. Gain grow retain. Awesome, man. That is a nice organic plug right there. I did not, you know, we didn't pay him to say that. Uh, he said that on his own. Uh, well, Jordan, I appreciate it. I hope you, uh, hope you have a good weekend. Sounds like you're, uh, you're going to be heading back up into, uh, you know, the big, big apple and, and getting some, uh, cold weather, but hopefully that goes well and you get a chance to come back and, and have a nice uh, Thanksgiving with some family and friends. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. You too. Have a great weekend. Hey everybody, Jay here. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You know, this started as a labor of love for Jeff and I a couple of years ago, and it's really turned into a movement around customer success and community, and we couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it. Uh, we grow this by word of mouth, so we'd, we'd love it if you're willing and you find value in what you hear on this podcast. Leave us a rating or a review on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It'll help us grow and, and provide value to more customer success professionals. Also, if you haven't yet Yet, please sign up for Gain, Grow, Retain, the online community. It's gaingrowretain.com. You can meet other people, make one-on-one connections, share ideas, get ideas, grow your career ultimately. Um, be on the lookout also for live events, both in-person and virtual this year. We're excited to get back to that. And thanks for being part of the community. We look forward to talking to you soon. Mm-hmm.